Welcome to Vintage Animals Archive. This is Richie Wexler. I'm here to introduce you to our next episode, which features Ed Askew. Um, Ed made a very famous album uh, in the late 60s called Ask the Unicorn. It's a classic amongst collectors. Um, it kind of fits into a world of two different worlds. One is like private press music uh, or even outsider music. There's, you know, there's some similarities in there. Um, but also like you know, psychedelic folk. It's, it's a masterpiece. Um, and I've got, got to talk to, got to talk to Ed for a little while. Ed had just, uh, suffered a stroke a, a few months before I talked to him. So, you know, uh, he is a little, he can be a little slow in response, but please be patient. Um, really interesting, really kind person. He also is a painter. He was a teacher, really interesting guy. It was really a pleasure to talk to him. So, uh, please enjoy. Really honored that you're talking to me. I know it's a pain <laughs> to have done it, but I, I can't tell you like, um, I first heard I, I uh, the, the kind of music you make is my favorite kind of music. It's um there's different categories for it, but it's kind of have you ever heard your music talked about in the world of like private press? Did anyone ever ever talk? I don't know what private press is. So it's just basically a category of people that kind of made their own thing and are doing things that are a little bit non traditional. But also your music fits into like to me, what you, what people call now like free, like the people you worked with on your last album, like um, Sharon at Van Etten, are kind of in this world of like freak folk. It's called, but it's hard. It's going back to your music. It's going. Their music is influenced by the music you made. Does that make Does that make sense to you? Yeah, you mean like psych folk. Psych folk. Psych yeah. Folk. Yeah. But there's there's a certain amount. There's a certain, <laughs> um, certain kind of psych folk that also fits into. Uh, this this form this kind of idea of private press and there's a lot of collectors that collect vinyl of that kind of music and that's how I came to your music we don't have to go further than that but um I had somehow found at the unicorn like uh, ten years ago and I just it was it blew me away this your song Mr Dream like got into my brain and I and I've listened to that song over two two hundred times since then. Were you ever trying to, be, you know, were you trying to be the next Bob Dylan or were you just trying to make music? No, I was just making music. Great. So that's where I'm going. So that's where I, so um, one thing about the, your music is that makes it, you know, very unique is is the use of the tipple. Um, what I want you to do is, I want if you don't mind sharing the story of how you lost it and how you found it. I know you lost it a long time ago, and then and then somebody found it for you. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I uh, I had uh, I was visiting my mother. I forget the dates. I don't remember dates, but uh, okay. I was visiting my mother in Stamford, Connecticut, when she was alive, and uh, I had a new case. This is it. Okay, that's the original case. Well, for years I didn't have a case. For years okay. I. I used a cardboard, uh, like a bando cardboard box. And then I finally decided to buy a case. And uh, when I lost it originally, it was in perfect shape. Now it's not in perfect shape because it's been 
It's been around. Um, did you? Is this an instrument you bought, or did you make this? Did you? Did you make the oh, tipple? I didn't make it. You didn't make it. Did you? Okay. This is a Martin, Martin Guitars made this. Uh, but did you did you ask them to make it, or is this something that already existed? Did you explain what you wanted and they made it, or did oh, this already exist and you Martin bought it? Martin Guitars is a, makes very fine, very expensive guitars. No, they have us, and, and the, for three years they made this. This okay. is made, this is made in 1964. So let me ask you a question. In terms of instruments, is that closer to a ukulele or is it just, is it closer? Is it more just a small guitar? Like, what would you say that instrument is? Is, 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 it, is it a tune, but is it more like a 12, almost like a 12 string kind of thing? It's, is it, ten, it's 10 strings. 10 strings. But it's like a, a 12 string guitar, and that is 12 string guitar uh, is basically six tones. That has double right. and triple that, strings. This is four tones, like a ukulele. Okay. But it's got it's got double string, triple string, triple string, and double string. Instrument. What do you mean by tones? Notes. Notes. Okay. It has four notes. What are the four notes? I don't know. Um, okay, but you're working in you're working in a system of four notes, right? I'd have to look it up. It's like a uke. Not that. That's it's like that. a uke. I wrote, I had written an article. You probably you probably have a what year what year was that article? Uh, it, look. Like something you wrote over the last ten years. Uh, Two thousand nine. Nice. No, it was shortly. It was before that. It was several years before that that I lost the tipple. Okay. I left it on a railroad platform. Oh no. And I stood up. And got on the train, and then I, and when I got back to New York, where I was living, I just moved. Uh, I couldn't. Uh, I realized I didn't have it, and so I called my mother, and she called up the railroad company, and but we couldn't find it. And uh, and 22 years later, I wrote that article, asked me about how I started, got interested in the temple. Yes. Not the one I'm playing, the the one I originally had. I got gotcha. you. Uh, so I wrote, I wrote that article. Like I say, this is 22 years later since I I had been had been gone for 22 years. An instrument. This guy who had who is friends of the person who found it, who kept it all those years. Uh, told his friend that uh, he just read this article by a guy named Ed who lost his tipple 22 years ago, and they figured it must be me. Okay. So I walked, so I called him up and identified myself. So a, a few weeks later, I go down to Midtown, Manhattan. I was, I guess I was living in uh, New Haven at the time. I went down and, uh, and this guy comes out of the building wearing a suit, carrying my tipple and handed it to me. And so he left. He didn't really want any credit or anything. So I don't even okay. remember his name. So I got the tipple back. But he was, the, he was the one who found it? Yeah, he was the one who found it. Wow. That's, I mean, that to me is amazing. I feel like that speaks to like the magic, <laughs> the magic in making music or making art where you, 
you know, somebody knows enough about this instrument to protect it and then gets it back to you. I think that speaks of the magic nature of like things happening when you put good things out there. Um, and another one I read, and maybe this also, I also may have misinterpreted it, but it said you're making pictures with your songs. Does that resonate? What that means is that it's not literally the same, but what it means is that my songs are very visual. Right. They're not like paintings, but they're images. Right. I, I make images like, like sort of like images poetry. It's based on, uh, it's the way I usually explain it is, is uh, if you're feeling, say you have a, a, an argument or you have some difficulty with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Right. And you feel bad about it. Uh, most people probably would write a song about how they then had an argument with the girlfriend and blah, 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 and they're pissed off or whatever they are. <laughs> And uh, no cursing uh, allowed, Ed. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> well, you have to you have to uncurse it. And, 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 uh, but I would write what I what I've said before. And I'm just sort of repeating something. I would write about uh, how I was looking out to the looking over the water. But I use an image imagery. I use an image to describe my feelings. It, it wouldn't be literal. I got you. No, I, I understand that. I just, I, it's, it's very interesting to me that's your process because, I mean, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that that's how you do it. Um, well, when I, when we opened, when my band, when I didn't have a whole, a whole band at that time, I, Jay was playing, Jay had just learned my, my friend Jay Pluck. Okay. Who plays key for me, keys for me. Okay. Piano, very good pianist. He just learned how to play. He he saw me at a show. Matter of fact, he was supposed to go visit his parents in Texas, and he put off the visit just so he could go to my show because he was a fan of that record you're talking about, of S. the Unicorn. S. the Unicorn. That's 73, right? <clears throat> 72. What year is that? 70. S. the Unicorn, 68. 68. Oh, wow. I thought it was okay. Cool. Sorry. It was recorded in 68. It was released, I don't know, around that time. Then with the next record I recorded for uh, ESP uh, was Little Eyes. Uh, and it's very similar. It was like a second version with different songs. And, it, and they didn't release it. Is there a story in the fact that it took so long to get it to be released? Was it just little, a, little eyes? Yeah. The reason it didn't get released, only they didn't tell me. Bernard did, Bernard Stallman. Bernard didn't tell me that his company is going bankrupt. Okay. But he had me go down to a New York studio in New York and make another record. This is like two years later, and. Um, but he was going bankrupt, so he couldn't release it. But nobody told me. Did you at that point? Did you get the recordings back? Did you get? Did you get all the like? You know? Did you get the? You, had, had the album already been finished, or was it just? Um, I'm not sure. It, it, the the when he went bankrupt, he lost all his except for the, the jazz set that he put out. He lost all the uh, 
you know, the wide tape stuff. He lost it all. So that so the album was more <laughs> lost than so it wasn't put out because it was lost. It was lost, right? But I I got a let me tell you I got a a test pressing. Oh, nice. Right, which I eventually wore out completely okay. wore out. I remember I wore it out. I had that. I played that thing a million times because it was the only ex exist. It was the only existent copy of that record that yeah. there wasn't any other copy. And, but we got a we got a good uh, reel to reel like quarter inch tape of it. Okay, which I put in a box, and my friend Carl had it for years. Okay, and later on I was. I wanted to, uh, somebody loaned me a, uh, a little a boom box or something, some cheap shit. And I, I, was, I wanted to make some kind of compilation for nice. something. Not that anything would happen with it. No one was really interested at that point. Uh, and, uh, and Little Eyes and, and Unicorn was released and within about three years, it was in bargain basement uh, bins. There was no, there, it just it vanished. That right. And that, yeah. And I think, um, you know, I don't know how much you, I don't know how much you look at our, our page, but it's all about how some of the best stuff in the world was lost. Like, it's about how, you know, there, there are a lot of people that, like myself, like to me, in this sort of music, you're like one of my three favorites in this music. So like, <laughs> even though, you know, it might have gone the bargain bin, like your music means the world to me. So I think, I think that's the true power of like music or art. It's not so much if if the mainstream world or if it got bought or if it got sold, it's like it, it, it made a difference in people's lives. That album, it, you know, there's, there's, a re there's a reason there's all these articles about that album, that album made a difference inspired other musicians that album did a lot of stuff it may not have ever got on the hit you know on the charts but that album really in my understanding i mean if you're you you had made an album with um sharon von etten right yeah she's a very well-known musician if she she pro i mean i i'd assume she re connected with you because of the love of either she, that album or or of your music in general well that's a whole other story do you want to, are you okay sharing that or do you want to stick to what we're talking about well, now? We got to finish my story. We got to finish your story. All right. I got, um, all right. What were, we, what were we talking about? Uh, we were just talking, I was basically oh, asking yeah. you about, Little, um, the second album. So I had, I took that reel to reel, you know, the quarter inch tape copy of the record that we, my friend Carl had, who had, was my, my, my boyfriend at the time. And so we, um, he made sure I got a good copy of it. So nice. uh, we he had it in a box, and uh, which I have here actually. And uh, at when at one point when I had a boombox or whatever the fuck it was, I I I decided to do a compilation. So I I wrote to people and asked if they had any of my music, could they send me copies? Okay. So I got that from Carl. Okay. Carl sent me that. It was shortly after that, that around 2000, around 2000, I remember the date, uh, that ESP was doing a deal to get, trying to get his, his company back and up and running. Okay. So he, somebody, somebody was 
releasing all ESP records, whatever kind of copy he had. So there were, so the SEUCorn was all of a sudden, it was out. All of a sudden, it was out again. Oh, wow. On, on CD. Oh, nice. Right. And uh, I have I have a copy here. And uh, it was in uh, San, is it Sam Ash, the store, that big music store? Yeah, Sam Ash is it, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there were, I went out, remember going down and just looking. Oh, they got a copy of my record. Amazing. So, shortly after that, I heard from, from, uh, oh, what's his name? What's his Take name? Take your time. Clint. His name is Clint. Clint. Okay. Clint Simonson. Nice. And so he wa- he wanted to put that record out. He, he had actually had taken it to, he had a, he had a tape. I made com- some copies of and gave them to friends. And I had a fan in, in England who also made copies and sent them to people because that was the only way they're going to hear it. Okay. And, um, so he asked me if he could put it out. So he made an issue of a LP of 300 copies he made around. So shortly, so within a very short time, the SE Unicorn was released and the Distilled record, the second album came out. Okay. And, uh, and then he put it, then they, then they put it on CD. Now it's once again not available anywhere, <laughs> except I, except uh, it's credited to Distill, although he hasn't made a record in years. Okay. And we're trying to figure out how I can get the credit for the album. So in case any money, there's any money, I can get yeah. some money. So that's why Little Eyes came out, and there okay. were three there were three hundred LPs issued. And that was put out by ESP or by different? No, that was put out by uh, Distill. 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 Can I ask you real quick about ESP and why? Like, I, I know ESP mostly through knowing the Fugs. Um, what 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 brought you? What brought you to ESP? Was there a particular reason that that label was attractive to you, or? I was. I was one of the many times I had been trying to move to New York. But because I wasn't so good at getting jobs and finding a place to live, uh, I was basically sleeping in different places uh, in the in the East East Village. You were in New York. You were in New York at that time frame. Yeah, for for less than it was about a year. Okay, maybe less than a year. And um, so I sleep. I stayed one place until I got kicked out, <laughs> and then I I stayed the <laughs> other place, and. Uh, because I was just no good at getting jobs. I never had been. Uh, make, and, it makes, makes two of us. And um, so uh, while I was there, I was these little uh, places called, they call them basket, basket houses. Okay. They were like folk, um, they weren't clubs. There were a bunch of people would get together and they make a little, uh, they had, they called themselves a family. You remember? Okay. That era, they call themselves yeah, yeah. a family, and and so they start inviting people to come play music and go to these places and play for them, and they really like me. Okay. And, um, so somebody from one of those places, I don't remember who, suggested I talk to Bernard Stallman of of ESP Disc. Nice. 
so I I so I I called him up and uh, I told I told him who I was. I wanted to play for him. He said, "Well, he won't listen to me play. I would have to make a tape." So he told me. He said, uh, "You'll find a you'll find a way to do it. Don't worry about it. You'll find a way to do it. when you get a tape. Come see me." So okay. hung up, they hung up and. Um, so I, somehow, I don't remember how I got a reel-to-reel tape, but I, I found that I was able to make a copy. Nice. Uh, and, and I don't know ever I don't know ever, ever happened to it, but I, I, I went over to ESP Disc, their office at the time, and, and Bernard stood there listening to my tape. Well, I stood there watching Bernard listen to my tape. Okay. And... Uh, when the tape was done, he offered me a contract. Nice. And uh, so then, it was, then uh, there's some other little things happened, but uh, then, okay. uh, then I, uh, then something like within two years, we made the 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 album. Okay. In 19, I know it was 1968. I remember that uh, that I made the album. Nice. Because I was. I, I had moved back to New Haven, and uh, so I came down. Now I had a the guy who recorded me for ESP Disc. His name was Una Schultz. Okay. And and uh, a very good recordist. They didn't call him recorder. They called him engineers then. Yes. And uh, he offered me a deal. He had a studio in Wood in Woodstock, and he wanted to make a new record. Yeah, nice. but he oh. wouldn't. Re he wouldn't. Re so I remember going up with two friends, my friend Carl and a, a guy named Fastback, who had been who had been in a band with me in New Haven. Nice. And we we went up uh, to talk to him, and he said, uh, "Yeah, but the only problem is he he couldn't do anything if I was. If there was a time when both in galleries and music." If an artist did one thing with one group of people, like a, a label, they wouldn't allow you to do it with anybody else. Okay. It's a lot more open now. People show in different galleries and, and yeah. And but at one time it was it was very it was very fixed. So I I went down to talk to Bernard about this, see if he could so he would have to release me. And he refused okay. to do it. So I couldn't accept this uh, proposition because Bernard course, re refused to let me go. And then it took another couple of years for him to make, have me make the record. But like I say, he was going bankrupt and I didn't know about that. So I thought they would release the new record. They never did release it. Okay. Huh. Um, but I mean, I mean, it, this this to me speaks to like your perseverance to get it done. Like you got this album made, it took a long, long time. Some people would have quit. I think you, you know, it seems like it was so, it was important to you and you, you worked hard enough to get it out in the world. And that's really impressive. Cause you know, I don't know if I, if it took me, if I had made something and it took 20 years for it to come out and I had to fight with people to get it, I, I don't know if I would keep going. So I just admire you a lot for just like being on that path and making sure it, it came out in the world. That's really amazing. It's well, very, also, ad very admirable. Also, also, people like the records, so yeah. But I mean, and you know, there, there was a guy, in, there was a guy, in, a fan in England who 
I just I contacted with around that time who sent people out copies of things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, so it's just a, it's apparent to me that you fought hard to get that album out. And it's just to me that shows that you it meant something to you. I mean, I feel like when you look at music, you know, more more like music now, not everybody makes an album. I mean, some people make albums just for money. It seems like that meant something to you to share it. And, you know, if you got money, cool. If you didn't, but I, I feel like that's that's kind of the nature of the world I try to, I'm in with, and why I wanted to talk to you is people who just want something out in the world and it means something that they just keep working at it and get it out. And they don't really care so much about like making a billion dollars. They just want people to hear their music. And there's a purity, there's a purity to that kind of sharing. That to me, that's a gift. That's a gift to the world or to other people. And that really makes me very realize you're a very, very good, good person and very solid character. So let's talk about how that album came to, was that the first album you made in a long time or have you been making, been making albums? I've been making home recordings. Um, okay. So, okay. So tell me, just tell me more about how this came to be and how you wound up connecting with all these really well-known musicians who want to be on it. How did you connect with the musicians? and whatever label to make that album? Well, I didn't connect with anybody a lot. I had my band. Okay. <laughs> what happened was my friend Jared Sika, who may have been with a band in Ohio, I think. And uh, he was friends with the guy who played guitar for us. Okay. Tara Evans. So the band I had, that that we just put together was me, Jay Pluck, and Tyler Evans, and uh, I'd done some shows just with Jay, like the, I like I opened for Ca Bill Callahan. And okay. Did, oh wow! I did a series of sh five shows for him. He's from Sm him. Smog, right? Yeah. Nice. But although by then he was the records been were Bill Callahan records by gotcha. then. Got, got, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and uh, so anyway, so I did that with Jay, and then uh, we we found that Tyler, our friend Tyler, who had been playing with Jerry, and he was very young; he's in his twenties, but at that point. Uh, he he was moving to uh, to New York, so we since he was moving to New York, we asked him did he want to form a band. Okay. So we started playing with Tyler, and then Jerry, who was a guy who had been playing with Tyler before, announced to me that he wanted to make an Ed Asker record, and um, they, he basically put all the all the tapes together, all of the sound together. And my friend Jerry, if Jay had a um, in East Harlem, Jay had a uh, uh, what do you call it? Had a studio apartment. It wasn't really an apartment. Okay. It was just a big room. Okay. And that's where we that's where we made it. We made it in uh, two or three days. I think three days. Okay. And. Um, 
And then Jerry took all the tapes from it and went back to Ohio. And that's where the that's where Sharon, he asked Sharon, he knew Sharon, he asked Sharon to be on the record. Nice. I never met her till later. Okay. How did you get along with Sharon? Did you did you did you gel with Sharon? Did you get along? Yeah, well I only really met her twice. Okay. Was she yeah, a fan? Was very, she a, very nice? Was she a fan of your music? Uh, yeah, she liked my music. Well, she did an interview where she said uh, she was very. Uh, she was, she went to Cal. She went to to hear Callahan, and she heard me also, and uh, and she was sort of. She said she was sort of overwhelmed emotionally by my music. Oh, I mean. You know, again, as someone who's a fan as well, like your music, it, it, it's taken me to another world. There's certain kinds of art, yeah. certain kind of photos I see that transport me into another place. And your music, it <clears> does <throat> it so well that I didn't, I couldn't tell the difference between your new music and your old music. Sure. Thank you, Ed. You have a great day, man. I really, really great talking to you. You're very funny. Uh, I, I, you know, I appreciated. I really appreciated talking to you. Okay. <laughs> see you. Uh, thank you very much for listening. It was a pleasure to have you here, wherever you're listening, uh, in the future, in the past, who knows. Um, please check out our website, vintageannalsarchive.com. We have a really cool page called Deep Dives, where I, it's more for, um, we pick different topics and I give you resources. It's more for you to deep dive, uh, but there's some really interesting people on there, stuff that we post on our Instagram. If you don't follow our Instagram, please do. It's same name, Vintage Annals Archive. We have a YouTube, um, you know, we could really use some support. Uh, if you have any money and you want to give us some money, it'd be great because we don't, I don't make any money. I've paid a lot of money for this, but don't make money. Uh, we have a fundraiser we're doing. We have a, a on, the, on, the, on Instagram or webpage or, um, so if you want to help out, that'd be great. And again, thank you till next time. Oh, 